Hello, and you are back in the Velvet Room with Joe for the Fool. This is our 49th episode, and today we'll be discussing all the conspiracies surrounding the music industry, the federal government using the border to fund more forever wars, and engaging in political persecution. So we're going to hop right into this with the music industry. The mainstream music industry is hot garbage for the most part, but there are some interesting things to talk about in the headlines, and this is, you know, being Taylor Swift and Miley Cyrus. So first thing, what this impetus for this was, was that I saw Miley Cyrus at the Grammys, and she was with, uh, I guess, some bodyguards, very standard stuff, and there was, you know, zoom-ins of the pictures and saying the guy's arm was, you know, fake holding an umbrella, and he was actually holding a gun under his, um, you know, coat jacket, uh, something like that. So basically... Uh, that's one thing. So a lot of uh, stuff coming out with Miley Cyrus at the Grammys that it meant more than it actually did in all, all these sorts of things. And, you know, you've got Taylor Swift with, uh, you know, all this AI porn being made of her. That that was a whole thing that went on and this whole thing of it being a psyop and her being a psyop in general. And I view Taylor Swift as a completely manufactured persona, as someone who just exists um, to placate the masses into a nice lull. So the uh, handlers and owners of this country can keep getting away with what they're getting away with. And Taylor Swift is part of that. And all these record labels are part of that. As I think it was like Ice Cube or Ice T. I think it was Ice Cube who said that uh, all the owners of the record labels and private prisons are, are prisons owned by the same people. So the, the record labels... Uh, have helped engineer this culture that um, pipelines uh, young, young people into uh, prison with with the sort of music that gets produced. And it's not necessarily the record label saying, writing, writing the lyrics and doing these sorts of things. It's just the way they operate and what they give play to uh, leads, uh, leads to a certain narrative that gets pushed. And that's the end result of a lot of stuff is that the legacy uh, institutions have this um, narrative that they want to push on the people and they'll only give the people who either are uh, extremely invested into it or are willing to uh, grit their teeth and toe the line. And those are the people who get anywhere in uh, these legacy institutions that have a lot of control over the culture, but that's been waning with the internet and the parallel economy coming about. So all this will become less and less relevant, but it certainly is still very relevant, which is why people make conspiracy theories and people have all these things that they're thinking about. And with all this information, and we are in the information age, that is out there, it's easier to make conspiracy theories about these sorts of things. So, of course, you know, someone like Miley Cyrus goes to the Grammys, there's, I don't know, hours worth of footage maybe that you can dissect hundreds of pictures that you can dissect where that wasn't nearly the case um decades ago now of course there's always been conspiracy theories about musicians and famous people i mean you know there's the uh conspiracy fury about Paul McCartney having died in 1966 and I say it's conspiracy fury when it actually isn't because he actually did die in 1966 uh died in a car crash replaced by William Shepard war 1937 the evidence is out there and if you don't see it then you're just blind right but that was something that happened in the 60s it was like you know at 69 is when it really peaked with the uh, cover of uh, Alvy Road being a funeral procession supposedly I don't want to get too deep into that but the the point I'm making is that um, people have always wanted to conspirize, can make 
conspiracy theories and look into the deeper meaning of things and try and figure out um, all these sorts of things, you know, for basically forever. It's just that's been accelerated, taken to the next level with the Internet age where people are constantly overstimulated, looking for more stimulation and just immersed in way too much information. And all of that is a perfect recipe for all these conspiracy theories. And then add on top of that all of the psyops and mind games that the, the state is playing, you know, whether that just be the U.S. government doing it to its own population, other governments doing it to other populations, and, you know, you've got, like, the U.N. and the W.E.F., uh, doing these sorts of things, and then all the corporations that not only collude with the state, but have their own agendas, too, that they're pushing on the people, where that's all that legitimately happening, and people feel those effects, and then it's like, well, what else is uh, out there? And at least that sort of thing. And this is why you see people say, like, well, the bodyguard of Miley uh, Cyrus was getting ready for something. Or, you know, Taylor Swift is all, all a psyop. And I, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that. Like I said, I think Taylor Swift is a manufactured persona. Not in the sense that, like, she doesn't genuinely like doing her music or thinks that she's a, a good musician or whatever, but uh, the idea of being a Swifty or caring about her relationships or all these sorts of things is just meant to have you invested in that and placated by that rather than looking around you and be concerned at what um, they're doing to you that's destroying um, the American economy and way of life. So I think I've gabbed on enough about that first topic, and we're going to move into the next topic. It's going to be a bit of a double entendre, because we're going to talk about the federal government. And if you stuck around with me for this long, I appreciate you. You know, Like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. But we're going to get into this article from Newsweek uh, that's in the description if you want to follow along with me. And the headline is, Senate Border Security Bill Text Explained. Five Key Takeaways. And the five key takeaways are tougher migration rules, so saying that ICE's, capa- ICE's detention capacity is increased, uh, a boost of border c- control, border patrol, aid for Ukraine and Israel, you know, $14 billion to Israel, $60 billion to Ukraine, $4.83 to Indo-Pacific nations, which is, um, you know, India, I think Indonesia, those, those sorts of places, Indo-Pacific, whatever, more, you know, countries that are in America getting our money, basically, and $10 billion in humanitarian aid to citizens in Gaza, the West Bank, and Ukraine, that totally isn't going to be um, ending up in the hands of the rich and elite there. Uh, it'll totally go to the people who actually need it. Sure, sure. Uh, and then, of course, there's opposition to the bill. There are some people in Congress that have... Um, Oh, no, a couple of um, vertebrae worth of a backbone are saying this is bad. <laughs> and, of course, there are people who have absolutely no backbone and are supporting this. Uh, so that's the basically key takeaway of this. And this is the issue that inherently exists with doing with these big omnibus bills. And this is basically the only way anything can happen is Congress is if they compile a whole bunch of crap and then pass it through. And then, of course, they'll use a... Um, leading topic like the border um, to say like, hey, this bill is going to be passed and it means that the border is going to be fixed. And then they sneak in funding for Ukraine, funding for Israel, funding for a whole bunch of other nonsense that you wouldn't have supported otherwise uh, if it was like that. And saying that, you know, Congress passes and votes for that, they can say, well, you know, Congressman X or Senator Y or whoever voted the um, vote on the bill to, you know, fix the uh, border and it's fixed the border. So you can have this whole spend. So this is really just, 
using the border crisis to um, push the Uniparty's agenda, which is, of course, funding the forever wars and giving kickbacks to the people who uh, toe the line of the Uniparty's agenda and all these sorts of things because, you know, these bills go between the Senate and the House so many times and all these things get added um, in between the process that people don't know about. And it's literally um, stacks and stacks high worth of... Um, paper just to read the bill thousands and thousands of words all the things they sneak into there these big omnibus bills that people don't even know about and they have like one thing to lead with it's like this is you know about the border or this is about um protecting america after 9-11 that's how they got the patriot act in place this is how um you know all the COVID stuff the cares act right saying you know we just want to help people um deal with the uh fact that we forced them out of work uh all, all these sorts of things so this is basically just the federal government using the border crisis that it created to justify pushing the uniparty's agenda which is giving ukraine and israel more money so they can engage in the fear of wars and a whole bunch of other you know countries as well so we can keep empire building on a global scale because that's what the federal government does in this day and age is empire building if uh, you aren't turned on to that, this is your <laughs> announcement that this is the intention. Uh, and then, of course, there's probably a whole bunch of other stuff, you know, giving kickback, kickbacks to politicians, giving the NIH and the, you know, DHS and HHS a bunch of money to do God knows what. Uh, so I, I imagine there's a whole bunch of stuff like that that's buried in the fine line of the bill in, like, you know, three-point font or whatever. Uh, that'll get passed anyway, and people will be none the wiser and will be marketed towards the average person as, hey, this is a bill that's going to fix the border, and it's not. <laughs> They're going to do whatever they can to get uh, control of the water back from Texas, if that happens, and then just keep it open. That's, that's really what they want. Or they might um, close it just a little bit, just enough, so it seems like they're doing something. Uh, but in reality, um, or the meaningful reality is that they won't be doing basically anything. And people will still be able to get around it. It will be basically just as porous as it was before. Um, but there is that um, side of it. And the other thing with the federal government doing is political persecution, political prisoners. You have the January 6th incident, and however you feel about it, whether it was the worst insurrection in American history, or you think it was just a psyop pushed on the people, I don't care. The federal government, this federal government, the Biden administration, his Department of Justice is using that event to justify having political prisoners, to justify political persecution of anyone who goes against them. They're using, like, all these, like, financial laws passed I guess to stop like Enron from um, committing money laundering, all, all this sort sorts of things, really perverting these sorts of things, just to throw the book or whatever version of the book as uh, as many people as they can that they think will convince people to vote for Trump or, or <laughs> people to not vote for Biden. That's a meaningful thing there. So that that's really what. I want to drive in is that the state has an absolute for, vo, monopoly on force, use of violence, ultimate decision making, and the ability to mediate who violates the NAP. As in saying, if you commit some sort of act of aggression, whether that's like actual violence or committing or defrauding someone or doing these sorts of things, then the state has to be the mediator in that situation. And the state is using that power that it has. Uh, I, I think it's unjustified. You can think it's justified, but it's using that power that it has against people 
who do not deserve it at all because they want to have these people taken out of the equation around election time. I've talked about all the censorship that's going to be going on this year because of the election, and this is doubly true in terms of political persecution, is that the Biden administration is going to do whatever they can to make sure the Democrats have as little people as possible um, saying um, that their shit stinks. Right. And it's, you know, saying if we can get people um, implicated somehow uh, in January 6th, then we're going to do that. Uh, And we're going to have them in uh, prison. We're going to throw civil charges against them, whatever it is that they can do. There are they are going to do it because the state is only interested in maintaining and expanding its own power. That's what any state really does. Once you empowered it, empower it with this with monopoly. Uh, you know, forced violence, ultimate decision-making, as I said, it only wants to maintain the monopoly it has over its current ter- territory and expand that. And also expand the uh, powers that it has over its population. And also make sure that the population uh, is satisfied, i.e., or, or placated with being controlled by the state. And this is very much so why January 6th gets as much play as it does in the legacy media, why they talk about it constantly why they use a sort of language that they do about it is because they want to say that everything they do the people who were either directly involved with j6 or they can paint as being involved with j6 um are you know people think oh it's justified that they're throwing the book at them because they're criminals they did something wrong uh so this has to happen right when it's really just saying hey we've got people who know they know they don't like us know are against us know that if they go against us it's going to be effective and i'm not talking about them like you know being violent or doing any sorts of things saying just people who would make content people who would be able to use um grassroots movements people who would be able to operate in a way where it would be very politically disadvantageous to the uniparty and the uniparty knows that it's using january 6th to maintain the uniparty's power and to expand it so that's the basic gist of that there that's what i want you to keep in mind with uh anything the federal government does um about anything especially when they talk about january 6th especially when the media talks about january 6th why they use this very um negative language around January 6th and the people who involved with it and insist it was an insurrection, insist it was this awful, awful thing that happened when you've had similar similar things that have happened on Capitol Hill that did not nearly get this amount of um, scrutiny and play uh, from the legacy media in the negative light. Uh, it's because the people who they can paint as having committed it are political enemies of the current administration by extension of the Uniparty. So I'm going to leave it there. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, we'll be back Thursday with the 50th episode of this podcast. Very wonderful. Also did a guest episode with Lee's Alternate Reality. Her name's Lisa. That's uh, the previous episode to this one. It's in the Velvet Room with Joker the Fool featuring Lee's Alternate Reality. It was a great hour-long conversation. Highly recommended it. Had a blast filming it. She did as well, which I'm very thankful for. But I think I've uh, gabbed and talked your ear off enough. We're going into the outro now. Thank you for being in the Velvet Room with Joker the Fool. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe whether you're listening on YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey, or Substack. And be sure to subscribe to my Substack, velvetroompublishing.substack.com to keep up with Machine to Man and all my other projects.